All right. How about it? Let's hear it again for our kids. This is the future of CFCF. Um, Becky, wherever you are, you may have a few guitarists in the wings. I mean, they are rocking around the Christmas tree. Good job, kids. We love you all. If you're standing near a kid, give them a hug. Tell them how special they are to us. And um, it's just a thrill to be with everyone today. You having a good time today? Yeah? All right. Well, I, uh, my name is Jeff Bianchi. I'm going to give you a second to calm down. It's okay to be excited. No problem. Let me pray a moment. That'll quiet you down. No, it's okay. For some of you, it makes you get louder when I pray. So uh, we'll just pray right now. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today, the opportunity we have to be in your presence. What a joy it is, Jesus, as we think about you, that you said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For such is the kingdom of heaven. We see that today in our children. We see the innocence, Lord. We see the, the joy. We see the lack of guile, the lack of uh, uh, just um, being so caught up with how they appear, but so excited about you, God. We're just thankful for it. I ask you today we would be able to love you more and more. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Again, my name is Jeff Bianchi, and I'm the lead pastor here at Community of Faith Christian Fellowship. We're going to try to see a miracle performed today. Anybody want to see that? I'm, I'm going to try to get this sermon wrapped up in 20 minutes. You better start praying. I gave a couple of people the preview, and they were like, uh. I sent John the slides, and he was like, uh. So let's see if a miracle can be performed. Hey, I want to say welcome. If you are uh, new here, if you're a guest today with Community of Faith, with CFCF, we love having you here. And I, I have a secret prayer, not really a secret anymore, but a prayer in my heart today. I pray this place will become a habit for you to come and to be here with us. I want you to be a part of our family. If you so choose that, wonderful. If you come uh, from time to time, wonderful. If you never come again, we love you and we're, uh, we're committed to your heart. But I would love for some of you just to choose to make this your family. We are an open family, not a perfect family. Not a perfect family, but a family that hopes to love God with all of our hearts, a family that hopes to share our lives together in an open and honest way, and a family that shares the love of Jesus with those around them. Well, we're going to look today, we're taking a pause from our uh, series called uh, I Am. I'm going to get back to that next week. But we're going to look today at what I've entitled The Promised One, and um, you know, a definition of Advent, this is the Advent season, we've got the Advent candles, uh, I think they were smoking a week ago and a lot of you college students were um, placing bets on how long it would take it to quit smoking, but uh, this Advent wreath over here, what we have is Advent, really the word Advent describes a coming, it describes an arrival, and uh, in that we're going to look today at a few things and uh, going to try to to hopefully simplify it for all of us. Because when Jesus spoke to people, he really tried to bring things simply and clearly to them. And I hope that I would be able to help you do that today. Uh, the first thing, we're going to look at four questions today. If you'll look up right behind me here, 
We're going to look at four questions. Who is the promise maker? Who made the promise we're talking about that the uh, advent, that waiting and the expectation was for? Second is what exactly was promised by God? I kind of answered my question there. And then the third is what are some specific details that let us know the promised one has come? And what does this mean for our lives? So we're going to look here. I'm going to ask you a question today, and I want you to think honestly about this. Have you ever had a promise broken? Have you ever had a promise that was given to you by someone broken? You know, maybe it was a boyfriend or a girlfriend uh, who said, uh, I love you, and then later they began loving someone else. Maybe it was a spouse that that happened with. And the promise was broken. Maybe it was a father, someone's father in this room, who promised to be there at your last performance or at your last game in high school. Uh, But he was gone on a business trip when it came around. Surely that's an excuse in one sense. But it didn't change the fact that your heart was broken. That that promise didn't come to pass as you'd wanted it to come. It was... Uh, there are many of these broken promises that we all deal with in life. And um, they affect the way we perceive life. They affect the way that we look at things. And we're going to look today first, as I, the first question that I had asked is, who made this promise? So, Advent, say the word arrival. It means that we, the arrival is coming. Something has been promised. It's like... The gifts under the tree, right? The kids see those. It's a promise. They are awaiting the opening of that present. Well, there's been a promise. And I want to say, who made this promise? And what was the character of the person that made this promise? Let's look up here at a a scripture in the Old Testament, which is actually the sixth book of the Old Testament, um, right after uh, Genesis, Exodus, and those uh, books called the Torah or the Pentateuch. This sixth book of the Bible, Joshua, where the Israelites are about to go into the land that was promised to them by God, it says here, not one, read that with me if you would, please, not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. God, the maker of heaven and earth, made the promise. God made a promise. We're going to talk about what that promise was more in detail, but the one promise that the advent, that the season of waiting um, was made by, is a God that does not fail. As we see in this Bible passage, the one God, the Father of heaven and earth, made this promise. And in me and every promise we see here to Israel, and it continues all the way out through the Bible, not one of those promises fails. Man, that's not something you could say about anyone. I, I with my deepest heart... <laughs> I'm a promise keeper to my wife, but I still fail at moments. Any failures out there? But we have one that has never failed, and his name is God. Not one of the promises he made failed. A little illustration I want to make to this is, anybody ever heard of the gold standard? Yeah? Oh, the long lost day of the gold standard. Well, I'll tell you what that is. Uh, Up until 1971 in the United States of America, there was a place, I believe it's in Kentucky, shout out to John, one of our attendants here who loves Kentucky basketball. In Fort Knox, 
there, uh, what, what the gold standard meant is that for every dollar bill, somebody have a dollar bill you want to hand me? Come here, hand me a dollar bill, somebody. I'm serious, I'll give it back, I promise. <laughs> right? Anyway, for every, thank you. Thank you. I won't break the promise. By the grace of God. But anyway, here's a dollar. What it said until 1971, for every single dollar that you held in your hand, it was backed by an equal amount of gold in the U.S. Treasury in Fort Knox. But in 1971, uh, due to inflation and other matters, we were unable to continue to keep that promise. Not every dollar bill today is backed by a dollar of gold. Uh, more money is, is uh, made at high rates. And, uh, uh, but the, the gold standard stopped in what year? What did I say? 1971. But I want to suggest to you something else when we talk about promise. The God standard. How about that one? Just take the L out of gold and you got the God standard. This standard, every promise he makes is backed by his character. Every promise he makes is fully fulfilled in every way, shape, and form. When God says he's going to do something, he'll do it. He won't be away on a business trip. Because he can be all places at all times with all power doing all wonderful things. He won't promise you he loves you one day and then loves someone else the, the next. He will love someone else, but he will never stop loving you. He will love every one of us with undying love. So he is the God standard. Say God standard. Praise God for the God standard. The gold standard is no more, but the God standard is forevermore. How about that? Okay. Well, the second question I want to ask you is, uh, or I want to mention, is what was promised? We talked, first of all, who promised? God, the God standard. What he promises comes to pass. Well, let's look at it here. A Savior King, a Messiah was promised to the people of Israel. In Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6, it says this, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David... A righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, what does that say? The Lord, our righteous, what? Savior. A a righteous Savior king was promised by God. You see, part of the problem today I think we have in our modern society is that we don't think we need to be saved from anything. (laughs) We, you know, if I, again, I've said this before, but if I'm walking along on a path on a sun-lighted day and I'm trying to get somewhere and somebody comes up and tries to take my arm to help me out, I'm going to say, back off, Jack. I got this handle, this beautiful day. I just want to, not maybe I wouldn't say it that way, but I would say, hey, I got it covered. But if, the, if, the, it, if it is storming and tumultuous and I'm on the top of a mountain, let's say like Mount Everest, and someone comes to grab my arm and help me out, man, I'm taking the help with everything I have. We have to realize that we as a people are in desperate need of a Savior. That just being good enough is not enough. But anyway, so God promised us a Savior. This one was promised. This king would be the Lord of righteousness, and he would be the Lord of all, not just of Israel, but he'd be the Lord of everyone. I want to ask you, or I want to mention again, what some of the specifics of this promise were, okay? All right, just say specifics. I want to keep you with me with all the kids around. Specifics. Say it backwards now three times. No, I'm kidding. 
Sorry. Some of you are trying. That's funny. So God promised, and he keeps every promise. He promised a king, and this is, are some of the specifics of what were promised. His virgin birth. The Savior King would have a virgin birth. Isaiah 7, 13 and 14. Read it with me. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. His virgin birth, the virgin birth of this Savior King was promised. And guess what? 700 years later, it was fulfilled. 700 years later, we look at Matthew chapter 1. This is the New Testament. So hundreds and hundreds of years later, after Isaiah, one of the prophets of Israel had promised, we see this in Matthew. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, I think you know what that means, right? Thank you. She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. A virgin birth which came together 700 years later. Let's look at some of the other promises. How about the location of the birth of this Savior King? The location. But you, Bethlehem, it's promised in Micah, another prophet to Israel. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Bethlehem was the promise, and guess what? 700 to 750 years later, let's see what happens. During the census, the census, which was taken during Caesar Augustus' rule. What's going on up here? In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. Jesus' parents, God was so in order, uh, was so in charge of the order of things that Jesus' parents didn't live near Bethlehem, but he had them through the census sent back so that the Savior King could be born in that place. Are you thankful for that? Just a little side note for you. My wife's uh, father was born in Bethlehem and raised in Nazareth. And that is true. Pennsylvania, just a thought for you to consider. Uh, But we've always thought that was an interesting one. But Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Let's look again at some other things. How about his final entrance into Jerusalem? At the age of 30, Jesus began his public ministry. And at the age of 33, after performing miracles, healing, saving, delivering, and all of these things, Jesus chose, instead of taking his own glory, which he deserved, to lay his life down. And he entered Jerusalem, not with horses and chariots, demanding a takeover, which his disciples many times thought. But here's how he entered Jerusalem. It says, Uh, In Zechariah 9.9, there was a promise of it. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. It was promised that he would enter Jerusalem on a colt, the foal, a donkey. 
on a foal of a donkey. Well, let's see. Jesus entered Jerusalem nearly 780 years after this promise came. And it was in the book of Zechariah uh, that this promise was made. In John chapter 12, 12 through 15, we see up here this. It says, the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches, went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. There you go. His entrance was promised. The specifics of it, that Jesus would enter on a donkey. It it happened 780 years later. Let's look at a couple of more, and we are rounding the curve here. The miracle might be coming close to happening. His death, Jesus' death on our behalf, was promised. And it was promised in many places, but in Isaiah, how do you say it, Sam? Isaiah. Isaiah. sounded so cool, man. I loved it. In Isaiah chapter 53 and verses 4 through 6, it says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. I want you to read it with me. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Well, there you go. And 700 years later, over 700 years later, John chapter 19, 16 through 22, we see the fulfillment of this promise. Do you see a theme here? When God promises something, He brings it to pass. I want you to read it out loud, and I'm going uh, to read it with you. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Interestingly enough about this promise, at the time this promise was made, saying that he would be pierced for us, crucifixion uh, was not the form of execution of the time. Crucifixion was a form of Roman execution. That order and the order of events had to happen in such a way, and God proveniently saw that Jesus would be in Israel under the rule of Rome, and he would be crucified on a cross. Very simply, we see that the promise, another promise is fulfilled. Um, and uh, I'm not going to give you this last one because I want to see the miracle fulfilled as well, but I'm going to tell you about his eternal reign. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, it promises, you can look at it real quickly, his eternal reign. And then it is fulfilled hundreds of years later. In Hebrews 12, 2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, 
For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That the Father in heaven, that Jesus the Son, are ruling and reigning forevermore. How y'all doing today? You following with me here? Real quickly, what does this mean? Well, what it means is that over 350, say 350, of these type of prophecies were fulfilled. And the odds of this happening uh, were written by a guy named Peter Stoner and Robert Newman in a book entitled Science Speaks. And they, they based the book on the science of probability. Uh, but I'll just give you this about that uh, look here, uh, that book. The probability that Jesus of Nazareth could have fulfilled even eight of these 350 promises would only be one in a thousand, uh, one to the... Uh, a thousand seventeenth power. That is one in, I can't even read it, I don't know, 100 uh, trillion maybe, I don't know. But Stoner claims that that many silver dollars, if you were to say that many, that many silver dollars would cover the state of Texas um, to two feet deep. So how, how big is two feet deep? I don't know, somewhere knee height, I guess, a little bit. Two feet deep, it would be the same thing, just eight of these promises being fulfilled. As, as blindfolding one of you, you know, taking a, a Christian over here, blindfolding him, putting him out in the middle of Texas and saying, go pick the one coin. Go pick the one silver dollar that, that has the mark on it. That's the odds of it happening. What we're trying to say here is it is impossible <laughs> by man's standards. But what is impossible by man, God made possible. Jesus was not just a good teacher. You can look in Mark chapter 10, 17, and 18. And even when he was addressed as a, good te- as a good teacher, he said, why do you call anyone good but God? He's trying to make clear that he's not just a good teacher. Jesus, again, as we go forward, is the Messiah, the Savior King. He's the one that was promised to come. Matthew 16, 13 through 17, it explains that Jesus came. And when Jesus asked his disciples, he asked Peter, um, uh, he asked all of his disciples, who do the people say? And then he said, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said this. He said, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. Jesus, the promised savior, Uh, for us. What do we need salvation from? Well, in the very beginning of all, when God made Adam and Eve in the garden, He gave them a sumptuous feast uh, within that garden. But He said, one tree you may not eat in order to put you under my authority and to to keep you in a life-giving relationship with me. You may not eat. But Adam and Eve disobeyed. And because of that sin entered mankind. And when Adam sinned, We all sinned because we all came out of Adam, born into sin. And you do not do away with sins by just doing more and more good stuff. You have to have a Savior. Throughout history, people have been having animal sacrifices, obviously in in Judaism. But in many ways, people are trying to sacrifice. There are thousands upon thousands upon thousands and millions of Indians going to the Ganges River looking to wipe away their sins. But you have to have a Savior. You have to have a Savior. And that Savior here today is Jesus. I want to read one last quote and give you an opportunity to respond. And guess what? We're going to have some cookies and coffee and wonderful stuff very soon. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, said it 
this way about Jesus and about who he claimed to be. He said, I'm not trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, meaning Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. Here's what C.S. Lewis says. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man, Jesus, was and is the Son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Now it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend. And consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he, Jesus, was and is God. The question I have for us today in our response is who do you say that Jesus is? There you go. (laughs) Who do you say that Jesus is? We're not left the option just to say He's a moral teacher. We are left with the option of of either discarding what He has said or receiving Him as our Lord and Savior. I want to do one last thing as we wrap up today. And then next week, I want to invite you to come hear more about Jesus. I'm going to finish our series, I Am, about Jesus as the Good Shepherd. And I think you're going to like it. But I want to invite us, I want us all to stand in reverence for God and His goodness. And if you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, you may say, I don't really understand it. But as I explained last week, You can look at a chair as long as you can look at it. You can inspect it. You can look at all the nuts and bolts and say, I think that chair would would work. Or you could say, I don't think that chair would work. But the only way you're going to understand if that chair is going to work is to sit in it. And in a sense, that's what we do today. Jesus died on the cross for your sin. He died on the cross for my sin. There is no other way to have our sins forgiven than the blood of the Lamb as, as Jesus is, is uh, drawn in correlation to the lambs that were sacrificed. The perfect Lamb of God. If you desire to receive Jesus, I want us to pray. And I want you to pray with me. And we'll rejoice as you continue in your journey with God. Pray with me if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. Jesus, thank you so much that you came to this earth Thank you that you died on the cross for my sin. I admit that I am sinful and cannot do enough good to make things right with you. I thank you, Jesus, that you took my place on the cross. You died and took all of my sin. I believe in you, Jesus, for salvation. And I want to walk with you for the rest of my life as Lord and Savior. Amen. Once again, I'm extremely grateful for you being here today. And I just ask you to come again next week if this is your first time. 
Don't let it be your last. We'd love to have you again and again. God bless you. And we're going to sing a song in closing before we go uh, enjoy some more time to fellowship and share with one another. We love you. And God loves you. Have a wonderful day.